Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. Along with Pastor Chris, Pastor Joe, Pastor Dave, Stanley Jones, I've learned a number of things uh, over these past few weeks. Um, and I, I, one, of the, one of the largest things, one of the, one of the great things that I learned over our time away is that not being with God's people in God's house, joined together in the worship of our Lord God, has created a huge hole in my life. I've often said that you people in many ways are closer to me than my own brothers and sister. We, I love my brothers, I love my sister, I've communicated with them often during this time away, I, I miss seeing them, but there is something about you folks that I just want to hang around with you, uh, be with you, talk with you, pray with you. Um, share with you things that God is revealing uh, in our lives together. I missed, now I, I, I shouldn't say, uh, I shouldn't say it like this. I was going to say I miss being in the house of God, but I've been here practically every day. Uh, but I miss being in the house of God with God's people. I miss being in the house of God, ministering to God's people and with God's people. Uh, this is what I've been called to do. This is what God has gifted me to do. This is what I've given my life over to do. And to not be able to do it, it's like suspended animation. It's like something is really wrong. And I can't wait to get it back. And so as I thought over these last few weeks, uh, as this day is approaching, I thought, you know, what, what would I like to say? What would I like to focus our attention on this morning that, that really captures what I feel in my heart uh, about being here with you and with our Lord in a time of worship. And there's no better passage, well, there was a passage that just continued to come back again and again and again, day after day after day. It kept coming back to me over and over and over again, and I think it encapsulates exactly what I think, exactly what I feel. It's found in Psalm 122. Turn there in your Bible, if you will, please. The 122nd song of the Hebrew hymnal. Psalm 122. And I'd like for you to stand with me in the reading of God's Word, if you will, please. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem that is built as a city that is compact together, to which the tribes go up, even the tribes of the Lord, an ordinance for Israel, 
to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For their thrones were set for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say my peace be with you. May peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. This is the word of God, and I ask his blessing upon the reading of his word. You may be seated. I was glad when they said unto me, Let's go to the house of the Lord. This is attributed, this song is attributed to King David, who by all accounts was a very, very busy man. As king, he was involved in many activities. He was involved in meetings with heads of state. He was involved in the affairs of state. He was involved in military campaigns. He was involved in family matters. He was involved in day-to-day life. And as king, he was responsible for the ongoing work of the nation of Israel. He had a lot on his plate. He had many things that he had to attend to. And yet, With all that occupied his mind, his time, his energy, and his resources, David said he rejoiced to go to the temple. He rejoiced to go to the house of God. Now in ancient Israel, a Jewish person typically would attend worship in the temple on three occasions. In the early spring, around our April, they would go to the temple in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Passover commemorated Israel's exodus from Egypt. It was, in fact, a celebration of salvation. A celebration of salvation from slavery and from death in a foreign land. And then 50 days later, in late spring, around our month of May, they would go again to the temple in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And Pentecost commemorated the time when God gave his law to the children of Israel through Moses. And that was a high time for the people of God because that became their constitution. It became their Magna Carta. It became uh, their uh, bringing together uh, of all of the peoples and all of the tribes as one, as a nation, as a chosen people of God. And then in the fall, about our month of October, there was the Festival of Tabernacles. Once again, the Hebrew people would go to Jerusalem to the temple and they would celebrate tabernacles which commemorated the presence of God with them through the many years that they wandered in the wilderness of Sinai. So these three great events, high and holy times in the life of the Hebrew people were celebrated in the city of God, at the temple of God, celebrating God in all that he had done for them in making them his special 
people. David loved the Lord. And in 1 Samuel, as well as in the book of Acts, we are told that he was a man after God's own heart. He desired to do the will of God. And as such, I am sure that David, like many of us, when we could not go to temple because it wasn't the appointed time, or we couldn't come to the house of God because of restrictions, we worshipped the Lord privately in our homes, as David probably did in the palace, in our living rooms or our family rooms, as David probably did in his bedchamber. When we were out and about in the communities, when we, when we got up enough courage to go out and to uh, go to the stores and to go to the places of business, uh, we spoke with the Lord. We listened as the Lord spoke with us. I'm sure many of us were praying, Lord, as I go to uh, Walmart or as I go to Target or as I go here or there, please don't let me get the coronavirus. Please, Lord, don't let me get sick over this. But I'm sure David worshipped the Lord when he was out and about uh, in Jerusalem, when he was out in the outlying regions, even when he was leading the armies into battle. I'm sure that David offered up worship and praise to the Lord God because he was a man after God's own heart. But in this psalm, David tells us that he was glad. The Hebrew word means to be thrilled to be overjoyed. He was glad to stand with God's people in the temple at Jerusalem. Now, some people go to church for different reasons. I'm not going to ask you uh, what are some of the reasons why you like going to church, but I know people have uh, there are various reasons for coming to uh, the church building, uh, some, for some folks, worship is very important to them. And corporate worship is very important to them. And, and it is to me. I mean, I, I worship the Lord every day. I worship the Lord many times during the day, at home or in the office or out and about. But there is something about being together with God's people in worship that adds to my own personal time with God. Some people go to church because they enjoy the fellowship of Christian people. And I, some of our pastors have mentioned that, that they missed being with God's people and the fellowship of God's people. Some people enjoy going to church because they want to participate in the music. They want to participate in the ordinances. They want to participate when people are baptized. They want to participate in a lot of the different things that worship entails or includes they love coming to the church because they love to be with people in prayer. They love to be in their Bible study groups. They love to be in their ministry groups. Other people like coming to the church because they like being able to help and to encourage people who come to church. Some people come kind of down in the mouth. Some people, uh, they come to church look like they've been looking like they've been sucking on lemons all week long. Some people come to church because things haven't been going smoothly in their life. And there are people who come to church looking for people who need encouragement because they love to come and stand by those individuals and put their arm around them and give them a word of encouragement 
encouragement or pray with them there in the pew. They love coming to church to encourage other people. Some people come to church because it's a positive habit in their lives that they would miss if they didn't go to church. In the days of King David, the temple was held high in the Jewish heart and mind. Shea Cohen, professor of Judaic studies at, the, uh, at Brown University, writes, to the Hebrew people, quote, to the Hebrew people, the sanctuary was the most sacred place on earth, the one place on earth where somehow heaven and earth met where somehow there is a connection between heaven and earth, where the earth rises up and the heavens descend just enough that they touch, end quote. The Hebrew people looked at the temple as being the place where God meets man and man meets God. But this morning I want to focus on two reasons why worship was very important to the Jews. Two reasons why David was glad when they said unto him, let us go to the house of God. The first reason is that the Jewish worshipers believed themselves to be the chief ornament of the sanctuary. Let me say that again. The Jewish worshipers believed themselves to be the chief ornament of the sanctuary. And second, worship at the sanctuary was the foundation of happiness and personal prosperity. Worship at the sanctuary was the foundation of personal happiness and spiritual prosperity. I said that wrong just a moment ago. Personal happiness and spiritual prosperity. First, I want us to consider that the Jewish worshiper believed himself to be the chief ornament in the sanctuary. I don't know if you've ever thought about yourself as being the chief ornament of the sanctuary, but the Jewish worshiper did. They believed that they were something that added to the beauty of the sanctuary. They added to the beauty of the sanctuary. How so? I don't know about you, but I love this sanctuary. I really do. The first time Nancy and I set foot in this sanctuary... I was awestruck, truly awestruck. The design of the sanctuary, when, when you're sitting in the pew and you're looking up at, at the podium, your eyes kind of follow the, the, the ceiling line and, and you, you look up to God. The baptismal is up high, it's elevated so that when we baptize people, it's almost like offering God in our baptism. We're offering the souls, the lives of individuals who committed themselves to Jesus Christ. The sanctuary is decorated with wonderful tapestries, beautiful flowers, 
the design, everything about this sanctuary, I, I, I just love it. And sometimes I'll just come in here during the daytime or maybe the first time that I, uh, the first moments that I come to the sanctuary and I'll just sit by myself in the dark just to be in this building, this sanctuary. It's beautiful. When you consider the sanctuary in Jerusalem, it was beautiful beyond description. Let me give you just a couple of things to think about. When the people would go to the temple in Jerusalem, what they would see, what the priests would see as they ministered in the temple, there were a, a number of ornaments in the sanctuary of God that made it beautiful. Entering into the holy place, which the worshiper wouldn't do, but the priest would do, Entering into the holy place, you would see, first of all, the floor that was made of red, blue, gray, and white marble in mosaic patterns. Beautifully polished marble in various colors, designed in mosaic patterns. The walls uh, inside the sanctuary, 30 feet wide, 60 feet long, 30 feet high, made of cedar, made of olive wood, made of acacia wood, covered with pure gold. On the left in the holy place was the menorah, the seven-pronged candlestick. The scriptures do not give us the measurements of the candlestick, but it does tell us that it, was, it weighed 100 pounds with gold, pure gold. It was fashioned out of a hundred pounds of pure gold. Traditionally, the rabbis tell us, it stood about five foot six inches tall and across the top where the, the uh, wicks were lit was about four feet across the top. And it was always lit representing the eternal light of God. On the right in the holy place, there was the table of showbread. It was three feet long, a foot and a half wide, and about two and a half feet high, made of acacia wood overlaid with pure gold. And on the top of the table, there were 12 loaves of bread in two stacks of six loaves each. And since bread was the staff of life, these loaves represented each of the 12 tribes of Israel who received their life from God. The priest understood as he came in, here is the eternal light of God shining upon his people, and here is the life of God that is given to his people. Center to the room was the altar of incense. Three feet tall, 18 inches square, again made of acacia wood overlaid with pure gold. Holy incense would be put on that altar and lit with live coals by the priest who was attending that day. And the wonderful smoke, the aromatic perfume that would rise up from the burning of the incense represented the sweet intercession of the priest for God's people reaching the nostrils of God. The prayers of God's people 
coming before the Lord, separating the holy place from the holy of holies was the veil or the curtain. It was 30 feet tall. It was 30 feet wide. It was four inches thick, made of pure linen, tightly woven by skilled weavers. Four colors were uh, woven into this magnificent veil, this tapestry that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. There was the color blue, which represented the heavenly abode of of God, the sky where God dwelt. There was the color scarlet, which represented sacrifice, for without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. There was the color purple, the color of royalty, reminding the priest and the people that God is our King of kings and Lord of lords. There was the color white, the color of purity, of holiness, and of righteousness. In this veil, in this tapestry, were cherubim, the outlines of these angelic beings made out of solid gold thread. And just beyond the veil, as the priest would enter into the Holy of Holies, there was a cherub to the left and a cherub to the right, 15 feet tall, made out of solid olive wood. Olive wood represented Israel, the people of God. Olive oil represented the Holy Spirit of God among his people. And these two cherub who were guardians of the holiness and the glory of God stood there in the middle of the room facing the veil. And their wings stretched completely across the width of the room and touched in the middle. The wing to the left would touch the wall. The wing to the right would be center. The wing to the left of the other would touch that wing and stretch all the way to the wall on the opposite side. And then center to these outstretched wings was the Ark of the Covenant made of acacia wood overlaid with solid gold. Beautiful. Beautiful. But these, these were not the ornaments of the sanctuary that God delighted in. God did not delight in the beauty of the gold, the beauty of the marble, the beauty of the figures that were carved. God delights in the worship of his people. In Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. God delights in the worship of his people. Malachi chapter 1 verse 11, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. God exalts, exalts in the worship 
of his people. John chapter 4 verse 23, Jesus says the hour is coming. He said this to the Samaritan woman. The hour is coming and now is here when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth and the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God does not delight in the various trappings that are brought in to the sanctuary. Those are basically for our pleasure and for our inspiration. But God delights in the worship of his people. To many Christians today, the church building is an auditorium where people meet other people. But I've always believed it to be a sanctuary where people meet with God and where we allow God to meet with us. Now I know God can't be relegated to a single place. I know that the entire universe cannot contain the presence of God. But this is a sacred place. This is holy ground to me. It is a place where we exalt the Lord in worship and in praise. Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher of the 1800s, says, Nothing better can happen to men and their friends than to love the place where God's honor dwells. Nothing better can happen to men and their friends than to love the place where God's honor dwells. Now God not only delights in the worship of his people, he delights in our worship because in our worship we express our delight to him. God delights as we sing praises. God delights as we pray to him. God delights as we read his word. God delights in our fellowship with his Holy Spirit in this place. But he delights because in our worship, we're expressing our delight in him. Amen? Amen. We express our delight. In him. Psalm chapter 71, verses 22 to 24. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. For they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me harm. David loved to be in the house of God to sing praises to him, to play his instruments to the Lord, to worship the Lord. He delighted in going to the house of God because that was God's house on earth. And it was where his desires to meet God had found a resting place. This is a house of God. You realize that? Jesus Christ is in this place. You understand that? Matthew 18, verse 20, Jesus said, For where two or three gather together in my name, there I am among you. Our Lord is here. And he's not here to check up on who's here and who's not here. 
He's not here to see if we're honoring the government's rules and regulations for social distancing and wearing masks and gloves and all of those other kinds of things. He's not here to see if we hold to a certain form or a format in our worship, if we have altered it too far out of bounds, or if we're holding to our traditional forms of worship. He's not here for any of those things. He is here to receive our worship. He is here to delight in us as we delight in worshiping Him. When King David went to temple, I'm sure everyone was honored that the king was present. But when King David went to temple, he was honored that God was present. He was honored that God was present. The Lord delights in us when we delight in him in worship and praise. Secondly, David was glad when people invited him to temple because each person saw worship in the sanctuary as the foundation of his own happiness and spiritual prosperity. Not only was he glad to go because he saw himself as one of the great ornaments of God in temple worship, as other Jews did, but he was also glad to go because he realized that going to temple worship was the foundation of his own happiness and spiritual prosperity. Look back at Psalm 122. Look at verse 2. Our feet have been standing within your gates. Standing upon what? Standing upon the foundations, the foundations of the temple itself, the foundations of his sanctuary. Outside the sanctuary, there were evil men, danger, sin, and death. But in the sanctuary, there was God. There was peace. There was joy. There was life. In this Psalm 122, David mentions four foundation stones. First of all, there is the foundation stone of thanksgiving. Look at verses 3 and 4. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Verse 3, Jerusalem that is built as a city that is compact together to which the tribes go up, even the tribes of the Lord. An ordinance for Israel to give thanks to the name of of the Lord. The foundation stone, one of the foundation stones of worship and praise in the sanctuary was that of thanksgiving. Now you have to ask yourself, what was the cause for King David to be thankful as he went to worship? Well, first of all, he was the friend of God. And all you have to do is read the 23rd Psalm to understand how David appreciated God and the blessings of God in his life. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. All of these wonderful blessings. David goes to the temple of God to say thank you. Thank you for all of the wonderful things that you have brought into my life as not only my God, but my friend. 
He was chosen by God to lead Israel. The people chose Saul that he didn't work out so well. God chose David. And even though David had his weaknesses, and even though David had his failures, he was the apple of God's eye. He was a man after God's own heart. And his heart's desire, even when he was tempted and failed to withstand the temptation, his heart's desire was to honor God and to please God and to do the will of God. He was chosen by God to lead Israel. He was preserved by God from those who would kill him, even his former king Saul. He was empowered by God to defeat God's enemies. He was disciplined by God when sin took a hold of his life. He was restored by God in fellowship upon his repentance of sin. He was given the promise by God, that through him Messiah would not only rise up, but he would become king forever in a kingdom that would be eternal. David was thankful and expressed his gratitude to the Lord God for all that God had brought into his life. We're here today in this sacred place to present ourselves before our Lord and our God in humble gratitude. But I want to ask you, what are you thankful for? As you've come to the house of God, what are you thankful for? The second foundation stone of worship in the sanctuary was that of spiritual peace with God. Look at verses 6, 7, and 8. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say, may peace be within you. David worshipped God, not only for the things that God had blessed him with, but also for giving him peace in his heart. David was God's appointed king over God's chosen people in a land that God had promised to Israel. But there were very uh, many things, there were a lot of things that troubled David as the king of Israel. There were enemies on the outside that wanted to conquer the nation of Israel. There were enemies on the inside that wanted to take David's throne from him. Satan wanted to overthrow the witness of God in David's life, and he wanted to overthrow the people of God in the land, and he almost did. He almost did. David also had nine wives. That's trouble enough. But David also had nine wives. One wife who detested him, Michael. He had a son, Absalom, who despised him and orchestrated a coup to take over the kingdom. These things and many other things brought David distress and discouragement. And at times David was even depressed by these things. But in the presence of God, in the sanctuary of God, with God's people in worship, David experienced peace. I don't know about you, I know most of us uh, have been distressed over the last several weeks uh, because of the pandemic and because of the restrictions, because of everything that uh, is going on in our country. It seems like, and I wrote even in one of uh, 
our daily devotionals that in my mind, after listening to the news and watching what's going on uh, on the internet and so on and so forth, it seems like our nation is absolutely falling apart. As a people, we are tearing ourselves apart at the seams. Satan is having a heyday in this country. And it's discouraging. It's deplorable. Sometimes I cry and I weep over what's going on. Sometimes I'm so angry I could spit nails as to what's going on in our country. But when I come here, there is such a peace that I experience in my spirit. It's almost like these walls block everything out. And all I experience when I come into this place is the presence of God. And the presence of God gives me such peace. I pray that it does with you as well. Christ is in this place. And according to the word of God, he is the prince of peace. And his people are to be peacemakers. Someone wrote, quote, In a church, one of the main ingredients of success is internal peace. Strife, suspicion, party spirit, division, these things are deadly things. Those who break the peace of the church deserve to suffer, and those who sustain it win a great blessing. Peace in the church should be our daily prayer, and in so praying, we shall bring down peace upon ourselves. End quote. I don't know who wrote that, but I'd like to shake his hand or hug her neck. This is a place of peace. Do you find peace in this place? I have, and I continue to find peace in this place every time I step in here. Third, the third foundation stone of worship in the sanctuary of God is spiritual influence over others in the community. And Stanley was mentioning this in his testimony several times. In verse 9, Chapter 122, verse 9. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. David prayed for God's people because God was present among his people in the sanctuary in Jerusalem. And that city was a city that was set up high on the hill of Zion. It became a beacon. It became a lighthouse to the nations of the earth. The sanctuary of God was a spiritual lighthouse that would direct people to God out of worldliness, out of sin, out of death, and to the one God who could give them life and joy and peace. Israel was to be a people, salt and light to the nations of the earth. The covenant of God with his people through Abraham, their father, was to result in a holy and righteous influence over the nations of the earth. Through you, God said to Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. But Israel failed in her part of the covenant because the worship of God was lost in the worship of idols. To worship the Lord in his house should be a spiritual pep rally for the people of God. Amen? 
How many of you ever attended pep rallies when you were in high school? Yeah? Those were great days. Yeah. You know, your team would be out there uh, on the field or out there on the basketball court, you know, and the cheerleaders would be there and they would lead the, the student body in cheers and coach would come out and he would give us a pep talk and, and, you know, we'd get all pumped up and at the end of the pep rally, we could whoop anybody. Right? Pep rallies were great. School spirit, stirring the pot, getting people invigorated and inspired to go out and do battle on the gridiron or out on the court or on the track or on the ball diamond. Church and the worship of God in the church should be a spiritual pep rally for God's people. This, this spiritual pep rally prepares us not just to face a difficult and sin-saturated world, not just to do battle with Satan and his demonic hosts, but to be salt and light to a lost and dying world. To be a witness and an influence to people who are condemned in sin and bound for hell for all eternity. To be a spiritual influence for the kingdom of Jesus Christ to this community, first to this community, and then beyond. David said, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. The church is here for a reason, amen? And that reason is not to enjoy ourselves. The reason that God has placed this church here on the corner of Myrtle and McConnell is to bring honor and glory and praise to the Lord our God and to be salt and light to the people of the community of Winton. And I would ask, dear friends, are we failing in our part of the covenant as Israel failed in her part of the covenant with God through Abraham? Fourth, the fourth and the final foundation stone of worship in the sanctuary of God is not found in Psalm 122, but it's found in Isaiah chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 10. In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, Many people shall come, Isaiah says, Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God our Jacob, that of, to the house of the... Lord God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Let's go up to the house of God and let's let him teach us his ways that we then can go out and live before others. And Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, the apostle echoes these words of Isaiah the prophet when he writes, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I'm sure that David went to temple worship because there he found encouragement through the instruction of God's word. He found encouragement through the teaching of God's Word. Now the church is a lot of things to a lot of different people. But in many ways, the church, the house of God, is to be a spiritual schoolhouse. A spiritual schoolhouse where the Word of God is to be taught, where the truths of God are to be discovered, and the principles of holiness and righteousness are to be disciplined or discipled into our lives.
It is to be a spiritual schoolhouse where faith in Jesus Christ is fixed and formed and allowed to flourish. Where ministry in Jesus Christ is to be discovered and developed and then deployed out into the community. Where the kingdom of our Lord is to be established in the hearts and in the minds of each and every person who comes through those doors. Where the kingdom of God is to be executed in the life of that individual and then expanded to cover this entire region to the glory and to the honor of Jesus Christ our Lord. Here, the people of God are to be encouraged, lifted up, and strengthened. Here, the broken-hearted, the spiritually damaged, and the weak in faith, and the sin-stricken soul are to find spiritual health and healing. Here, the followers of Jesus Christ are to find joy and peace and spiritual purpose. Would to God, would to God that everyone in this community and this county would say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord on the corner of Myrtle and McConnell and Winton. Stand with me. David, come and lead us in prayer. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.